Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Oh, the horn. Let's go. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young men play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks. A mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. I- Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, you know we predicted it would be a name-your-score kind of game, so I don't know which I'm more surprised by, the effortless 56 or the shutout. Man, I'm going to say neither. What I enjoyed the most is watching Coach Saban uh, and his disgust when Tua threw the touchdown to break the 50-point barrier that we know Saban doesn't like to break. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, does he wish he would have run the ball? Because they were going to score eventually, unless they were just going to like, you know, try to turn it over and downs. But I enjoy I enjoyed him being ticked off that that Tua scored that touchdown. So yeah, I I thought it was interesting. You know, what do you do in that situation? Do you stop passing the ball? Which I can understand maybe you where you would, but you want to get Tua is is as many snaps, as many reps as you can. And so it's hard to get too disappointed down by the goal line that he reads, that he makes the right read and throws the right pass and execute it, executes it as well as, you know, he could have. I think, I think what would have made Saban happy is for him to read it right, execute it right, and then just overthrow by just like barely a fingertip or something like that. And, and then and then you start to think, is that really what's going to make you happy? So I get it, and it's almost a conundrum where Coach is happy and unhappy in the same moment, and I think he's more unhappy at that discomfortable feeling. Well, but in the play before that, you know, when Mercer, you know, when Mercer punts the ball and, you know, Xavier Marks returns it for, you know, 26 yards to the 17, you know, there's 42 seconds left in the third quarter. Right. You've got a whole quarter of football left to to try not to break 50, and you're already at 49. So I guess you could have told Marks to fair catch it, right? So he he could have he could have not returned it for 26 yards, but you want him to you want a punt returner to return it for 26 yards. So what do you do there? So I guess you could have done a fair catch, and then I guess you could have run it up the middle three times and punted the ball, but then. You're running it up the middle, like you said, three times for a cloud of dust and punting it for an entire fourth quarter. And you can't do that because if Jalen Hurts gets hurt in the Auburn game and Tua comes in, 
he's got to be ready to go. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's just one of those things. And and of course, you know, coach has to say, well, of course we return it for sixty for twenty five six yard or you know twenty six yards now. Of course we do, right? <laughs> Where's that been? Yeah, well, last six right. weeks. Right. No, this is true, but. You know, this is why some teams have scores of, you know, in the 70s. And right. I, I am going to tell you that after he showed that disgust when he scored the touchdown, which, once again, you start out first and 10 on the 17. So, you know, <laughs> if you're running the ball at the 17-yard line, it's not going to take very long to score. I mean, you're you're starting the drive in the red zone. But then, you know, it do, it did seem like, there was a conscious effort on the next drive, which started at their 39. You know, it, it seemed like it, it, it did not surprise me that after that play, it seemed like the giving the quarterback the option went away because as, as you saw, they did not pass the ball a single pass attempt after that play. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I, I think, uh, yeah, the unspoken decision that hey, don't play the 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 pass part of the RPO. We're just trying to run the clock out. I think that that did not go unspoken. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But even 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 after that point, though, you know, when Brian Robinson got his opportunities, you know, he rattled off a 15 yard run and a 13 yard run in his limited opportunities. It is what it is, man. I mean, it's a you know, it's a it's. It's Mercer. It's a you know. It's a school that it, it, it's tough to hold off. It, it you can only hold off so much. I guess I'll say no, it that and, way. And, so. and look, it's I mean, it's nothing against Mercer, right? They're they're the level. You know, they're like the old D two, right? They're a level below. It's late in the game. They're de- and it, you know late in the season. This is their last game of the year, and so they're at a point where they're trying to get players on their you know on their roster, uh, get them out on the field. They're, you know, they have their own sort of depth and fatigue issues. And so, you know, even if they go to their twos and we go to our twos and, and, you know, there's still a, there's still a disparity. And even if we just try to line it up and run it, it, and I'm not trying to like, you know, pound our chest and be King Kong here, but at some point a team like that is still going to struggle to stop us. Yes. And, And, and they did. No, absolutely. Well, tell me, tell me what jumped out at you on offense because there was a lot of points put on the board, uh, and a lot of people kind of got opportunities to play. What What's one of the things that jumped out to you? You know, I liked Jalen's efficiency. You know, I liked you know he I liked he was seven for seven for three touchdowns. I thought that was really really good. We got him a quick hook on him, and then we got Tua in there, and then he throw throws for three touchdowns as well. Uh, I thought that was it was very good to see both quarterbacks, uh, you know, perform. I get you know the opponent. I like Calvin uh, having a big day, and of course, I especially like his move for that wide open uh, touchdown. That was fun to see. We won't see many of those because he's not going to get that wide open. But I like the move, right? I mean, he just broke the defender's ankles, and then uh, he was able to just go out there and kind of hang out and wait for the ball. Uh, that was a nice play. No, it was, and at that point. You know, you would like to see him hit him in stride, but at the end of the day, he's that far behind the defender. You know, you just got to make sure you put points on the board in that situation and and get the pass there. And uh, you know, that's what he did. Yeah, I think you can you can treat that as more backyard pitch and catch, right? You don't have to force 
a tighter window. And how many times do you see, and not just with Jalen, other quarterbacks too, you get that wide open and the quarterback, you know, puts a little something extra on the ball, overthrows, and you think, what a what a wasted opportunity. There was the opportunity for more expert level precision. Uh, but I think also, you know, you can be you can make a smart decision and say, I'm just gonna pat this ball, throw it out there. And, uh, and let the touchdown happen. And if it's not aesthetically pleasing, it's still a pretty sexy play. No, absolutely. Well, what did you, um, what did you think about how long uh, they kept the ones in? You know, I, I think Jalen probably came out, you know, at the right time. Uh, you just can't have things happen. Uh, but they did leave the ones in with, you know, with Tua a decent amount of time after Tua came in. Well, I think we needed that, right? You know, the whole thing about developing uh, Tua in his, in not only just his development as a player, but his readiness to play. Those are, and those are sort of two different things, right? And so if we're thinking about, obviously we want him to get some more experience on the field and, and play in the game and, and whatnot. But we also want to increase his readiness to play and you got to do that in the cockpit with the starters right you have to have the ones in there and you have to have all those bells and whistles and and levers and control uh so that you are advancing your inner your game like interpersonally but you're also upping your readiness to be able to go into a game and play i thought that was the right way to do it and uh and it was a series or two you know, a couple of series there. And then we started moving guys around and then rotating in, uh, you know, some other players. So I thought we handled that right. Uh, you know, what it, what it does is it gives you an opportunity to really blow out a team like Mercer. But um, – and, and look, I'm not mad at those guys, but we got to do what we got to do because we still got a lot of important football ahead. We got to get our guys ready to play. And No, that's, that's true. That's that. No, that's true. I just I pointed it out just because in years past, when the backup quarterback would have come in, so would the entire backup offensive line and you know wide receivers and tight ends, et cetera. Right. And I do think that would have really limited potentially uh, some of the development of a Tua in this situation. And so this is just very uncharted waters for an Alabama fan to have a true freshman backup get to play when he does and get the opportunities to develop like he has. I mean, we didn't see him in the Mississippi state game, nor should we have seen him in the Mississippi state game. Right. But in this game, you know, they didn't wait to the fourth quarter. They brought him in pretty early, but they increased his likelihood of having success, you know, by still surrounding him with people, you know, who could allow him to do well. And that's just, that's something we wouldn't have seen, years ago, I don't think. And and you made a point several weeks ago about, you know, quarterbacks staying happy and, you know, leaving at the end of the season. And Tua could have gone and started for a lot of places. And so I think how they're using him is quite interesting uh, because it behooves Alabama for there to be a quarterback battle in the springs and A days that lie ahead. And I think doing what he's doing kind of keeps them both happy and that's just interesting because we haven't been concerned about keeping the backup quarterback happy in years past not not like this 
And, uh, and that's not a knock on Jalen at all. I just think that's roster management and, you know, and, and we've talked about that a lot in the past as well. And, and, you know, as much as, you know, getting him, getting to in there, you know, getting him with the ones, you know, getting the snaps from Bozeman and the timing with the receivers and the handoff with, you know, the hand, the handoffs with the starting running backs, those are just, those are important things. And to do that in a game situation versus a practice, um, I think is very, very important. So I think we handled that very, very well. And on a, on the whole, I think we've handled the situation, you know, the coaching staff has handled the situation about as about as good as you could. You know, there's probably one-off incidences that, that you could, you know, name or someone might call out. But on the whole, um, I think we've handled it really well. Oh, sure. But I do think the – the uh, attrition of the backup quarterback position over the past couple of years might have dictated, you know, some of this posturing that we've seen this year. I agree you know with that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It put him. It put them in a different depth situation than they've had in several years. Yeah. And oh, they, I know. Like, yeah. And they're like, oh crap, we're bringing in a, a true freshman, and he's got to be two on the depth chart because we don't have anybody beside behind the one guy. And we got to rethink how we're doing this right kind of deal. Right. So, um, I also wanted to mention very quickly that I thought it was interesting that Damon Harris, you know, obviously started the game and got a lot of work early on, and um, you know, which you know, which you know, he's one on the depth chart, and so it's interesting that he carries the ball five times to start the game on that first drive, and then you know, Bo comes in because he's winded. And then Bo gets one carry. We throw a touchdown to to Irv Smith. And on the very next drive, I expected to see Bo come out. And instead, uh, Josh Jacobs starts the drive. And then, you know, two carries later, later, Najee Harris comes in. And that was just an interesting little nuance because, you know, it is Mercer. It is pick your score. So I'm trying to find things that, you know, people will be interested in, in hearing about the game. And that made me think that going in – they kind of predetermined that Damien and Bo was going to be in the first drive and, and Josh and Najee's going to be in the second drive as far as the, you know, the pitch count goes. And that was just interesting how quickly we saw Josh and Najee enter the game, you know, both on the second series. I was especially surprised with Najee, right? Because we've talked about him sort of being uh, a barometer on how far, you know, how tight of a bench are we going to play? And, you know, there have been a couple of games, LSU and Mississippi State, right, where he didn't play. And we expected that we might sort of carve out some snaps for him. And so to intentionally get him into the game on the second possession uh, very sort of early in the process, I thought was very, very interesting too. And so is that a move to, you know, sort of include him in that first bunch, uh, you know, for the sake of his satisfaction? I don't don't know. I I don't want to get too sort of – uh, too deep in those weeds, but I did. I did be, find it, it very, very interesting. That. It could be a little of that, though, right? It could well, be a little of that. Know. You never know, and uh, and uh, and and I think you know we want to give him some reps, and 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 Brian Robinson as well. And I think he ended up with more carries than than you know any of the others. And but they were all between sort of four and seven, so they were all in the same neighborhood. Uh, I think he had the seven, Brian did, and so I think that's good. But no, I, I mean. They all got a handful of reps and then got out. And I think that's probably what we were looking for. So I think that I think that worked out. 
Well, I'm with you. It just was interesting, the distribution, because that second series, they do Jacobs and Najee, and then the third series, they come back to Damien, and then, you know, uh, we don't see Bo again until the next series after that, when he, you know, first and 10 runs for 44 yards. Right. And, you know, he gets them down to the five-yard line, and then the very next play, he gains a yard, and then he comes out of the game. Yep. And so it's like, you know, I don't know. It's kind. Of, it's kind of like. It's kind of like we said, you know, before with Derrick Henry. I just think Bo's one of these guys that has to get lubed up, and and you know, I I just don't. You know, we're we're they're blessed to have a lot of talented you know horses in the stable. I just think that when Bo's number, when Bo knew he had to be the guy because Damian Harris got hurt last year, mm-hmm. I think Bo was a different player when he said they're they're going to feed me the rock 20 times. And I just don't think we're going to see that bow until he gets the rock more. And so I, I get it. It's Mercer. I Okay. I think for us to have the success in the games that lie ahead, there's going to have to be a game where Bo gets the rock 15 to 20 times to just really wear a defense down and get into the game. And so obviously Mercer doesn't need to be that game. I just hope we see that opportunity for him in the next few weeks. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and I found myself really conflicted on that. Um, you know, he was forced into that last year, like you said, because of because of Damian. Um, I think that – I mean, I think that he could operate in that, and I agree. He's a big back, uh, and he kind of needs to, you know, work himself into the game. That requires more carries – I agree. I agree with that. At the same time, he's a guy that when he gets hit and dinged, he's just subject to getting out of sorts, uh, and will take himself out of games and will just not be right. and And I'm and I'm sensitive to that because I'm I'm not trying to I'm not down on the guy, but at this at the same time, he's he's not a guy that. For even for his size and physicality, he's not a big bruiser. And when he gets hit, sometimes I think he gets hit harder than he hits the defenders. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. And when he gets hit, that impacts his run, his his running style. He doesn't get mad and like want to come back and 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 be the physical runner. It impacts his effectiveness. And so it's almost a fine line you got to straddle. We need to give him enough reps to sort of get on his horse, but we need to make sure he doesn't get knocked down while he's trying to get on his horse. You know what I mean? It's it's an interesting sort of position, um, and I wonder if that's why we don't just always kind of end up we're going to get him between 8 and 12 and, and share the load. No, that's fair because you can argue in the Clemson game, you know, that that was his Achilles heel, right? I mean, you know, an injury just happened, right? Um, and, that, and, and that was – I'm going to sound like a jerk here, and I don't – that's not my intent. But that was – I mean, he broke his leg, right? Oh, no. Yeah. I, I don't want to minimize what he did, but it was just like, to your point, it just happened. And and he has had some bad luck in his career. Right. I just think there – I think there's – you know, it was – what was it, the Mississippi State game where he had a, a couple of carries and then he took himself out and then he, you know, was maybe a little ginger on, on the sideline. I don't know what what happened, and I'm not. I don't intend to sort of minimize that that something that 
happened there, but it wasn't a broken leg, right? By, by comparison. Mm -hmm. And so last year, I wonder if I were to just set these on the table side by side last year when Damien wasn't available and he took more of a mantle on, was he running through injuries and, and was he running through like nagging things? Whereas if the other players are available, he might be more willing to not do that. No, that's fair because last year, you know, Josh was down and Damien was down and, and it was him. Yeah. Right. I mean, Ronnie Clark was not an option and Josh was not an option and Damien was not an option and, and it was him. Yeah. And so that is possible. And as they go forward with this stretch, you know, because Brian Robinson is there and because Najee Harris is there and because Josh Jacobs is healthy again, you know, that is why I think this team win, wins it all because they, they can run five running backs out there. And if one of these guys get dinged, they can just keep coming at you. Right. And the average team can't do that. And if Bo is on, he's almost unstoppable. And and look, I will go to my grave saying that we would have won the Clemson game had he not broke his leg. I'd convinced of that. Uh yes. and I, I you know, you could never talk me out of that. And right. and when he and so, you know, I I'm not I don't not like the guy, right? I mean, when he's on, he's one of the best. And uh and to your point, he needs a little more carries. And then, and then sometimes those carries, I, you know, I don't know. And so I would love to see him, you know, sort of stride into a game and, uh, and sort of hell or high water. He's going to get his reps and he's going to be on. I want to see that again because that's fun to watch. And when he broke that run for, you know, 40 some odd yards, that was fun to see because that was, that's the bow that we want to see. Right. So, yeah, I hope we do get to see that. And then I also like the fact that we've got the others if only for a change of pace, if only for a spell, uh, you know, to, to rest the other guys. But they have all proven themselves, um, you know, to be effective, uh, uh, you know, participants as well. Well, but they all run with the physicality. They're all different type of runners, but between Brian and Josh and Najee, as well as Damien, mm -hmm. um, you know, they all, they all will run between the tackles. Yep. And they have no trouble running between the tackles, and and that's a good thing. Hey, I wanted to mention very quickly that on that first touchdown drive, Hell, Hell, uh, Hell was wide open uh, yes. for a touchdown. He he was the first option, and and Jalen just hesitated and and didn't get him the ball. And and no offense to Irv Smith, but Hell was way more open, way quicker uh, than Irv was. And so I was very happy when when Tua got in the game. And he was presented with that same situation um, due to a good play call. I was glad to see Hell get a touchdown because he does, you know, he does a lot of dirty work, and and he he threw a good block at the goal line for Irv to score on that first drive, and uh, was a very unselfish. And so I was really glad, you know, when Tua entered the game that that he looked his way and and that he got that four yard touchdown. Thanks for breaking that down so well. Well, hey, man, I mean, now I've already done my mini game ball, by the way, but but that was good. I mean, I just, you know, he does the dirty work, and I'm just glad, you know, he can catch touchdowns too, so I'm just glad he got the ball. No, that was my that was my mini game ball too um, because they were both open, and so that's, you know, there's that's, you know, that's awesome, right? They were both open. Uh, Hale was open in the end zone, and Irv was, was open short of the end zone. And so I, I don't know if it's easier throw, harder throw. I don't know sort of the mechanic of, of the decision being made. 
but uh, they were both good options. And uh, the pass was completed to, to Irv, just like you said. And Hale immediately, um, instead of be demonstrative, hey, I was open, da-da-da-da-da, he immediately redirected to throw the block that actually got Irv into the end zone. I don't know. I don't know one way or the other if Irv would have scored. He might not have. And so, but he definitely scored with, uh, with Hale's block. So, yeah, yes. not that we're doing mini game balls now, but I just did my mini game ball and sounds like you did as well. Yeah, it was just a very unselfish play, which was awesome. And then he um, got one, right? To your point. Yes. He got yes. one later. And so, yeah, that, that's sort of, that's a cool, a cool narrative. Uh, I was going to call out, I was going to call out Robert Foster on the jet sweep. That is how you do a jet sweep. Uh, you don't use your franchise receiver, right? Right. But you take a very talented guy that's got incredible speed, like Foster, and he had a he had a big play. It was what, north of twenty yards, twenty four yards, I think, right? But that gives teams something to think about, right? I just, I mean, don't do it with Amari, uh, Cal, or or Julio. I mean, I don't yes. ask for a lot. Correct. Well, you but, know, but I like but, Dardarius Stewart on the on on the little just sweeps. Uh, and then I th- and then you know Foster, I thought was was sort of an inspired uh, player selection for that because of his speed that he can get to the corner. But you know I'm going to give that credit to the offensive coordinator. Oh yeah, yeah. Versus anybody else, and and that just feeds in to what we've said all season about his ability to put players in. You know, to to find what players are good at, just like getting Josh out in pass patterns. And, you know, Josh got a touchdown catching the ball because he has shown a really good affinity. You know, no offense to Damian Harris, but Damian Harris has not had the ball thrown to him. It has been thrown to Bo and Josh. Can Damian catch the ball? Sure he can. But Josh Jacobs and Bo has showed a really good affinity to catch the ball um, in traffic, not in traffic, you know, and, and, and make good plays. And so it goes back to years ago when we talked about the defense and we talked about the 22 starters on defense and everybody had a role, right? And we came yep. up with the role of rabbit rusher. Well, this is the same kind of thing. So maybe Robert Foster can be a starter on the jet sweep and that's his role. You're, you are our number one player on jet sweep. And Nines and jet sweeps. Yes. And so, and so finding that and incorporating that is going to build his confidence. It's going to let him be a positive contributor to the team. And it's going to give the, the defensive coordinators nightmares to have yet another player who the players on the field have to look for his number in that formation. And then you go fake it to him and you throw it over the top on a play action pass to the tight end down the seam. And he's wide open. Yep. Wide open. So, hey, I want to point out very quickly, um, just kudos, uh, you know, once again uh, to Hassenauer. Um, yes. You know, he got the start. You know, Ross didn't play with his high ankle sprain. He doesn't need to play. Um, you know, it's senior day. You know, let's put Hassenauer out there. Uh, he played really well. Um, then, you know, early in the game, you know, they pull Bozeman out and they move Hassenauer to center. So then they're able to sit there and, you know, work, uh, uh, work Josh Kasher into the game, you know, in his place, uh, at left guard. And so, you know, you never know, right. Bozeman could go down. Hassenauer is the backup at center. 
give him a little run against a team like Mercer after you've built his confidence and let him get his first start of his career. Go ahead and slide him down to center. Get Bozeman the heck out of the game because center's a very valuable thing. And uh, that was just also smart football that, you know, the average person is not, not kind of watching. No, I completely agree. And uh, did you know that he was SEC Lineman of the Week? I did not know that, but that is awesome. That is awesome to be able to tell your grandkids, you know, that, you know, I was SEC offensive lineman in a football game. And and for all the sweat and, you know, all the crap you've put up with uh, over the years, you know, behind the scenes, then, you know, he probably should be our mini game ball for that reason. But that's awesome. Right. It, it, this is a movie that that predates the the both both of us, but and it was a boxing movie. But like one of the one of the sort of lines in the in the movie is, you know, I could have been a contender. I could have been a contender. So Hassenauer has to think, I could have been, you know, a full time starter because he played almost all the Mississippi State game and uh, was pro football focuses. You know, one of the best performer, one of the best five uh, performers on the Alabama squad, and then he gets his first career start and is all SEC offensive uh, lineman. And so, you know, he has to think, gosh, I wish I were a junior or sophomore. No, absolutely. But you and I have talked in years past about how, you know, a lineman goes down and and we we have a definite drop-off when the number six guy comes in. And so for to his credit, with all the pub, you know, that Alex Leatherwood has coming yep. in and Jedrick Wills has coming in and, and you know where I'm going with this. They're truly saying, we think you're our sixth best lineman, and you could probably start on a lot of football teams across the country, but you've stuck with it. You've stayed at Alabama, and um, hopefully we won't need a huge contribution going forward. But, you know, we might see him start the Auburn game. I mean, high ankle sprains are not easy to get over. And so at least you have that in your back pocket to at least try to make a go with Hassenauer and you might see him start this game on Saturday because they might say, you know, can we, can we eat this out? You know, can we, can we at least test the waters and see how this goes? Cause, cause Ross is 50% or Ross is 62% and he's really not ready to go. And, and we don't want to have to put him in there if we don't have to, you, you might see Hassenauer start this ball game. Well, I think it's something that we'll monitor you know, really closely because, you know, it's, you know, you ask the question, he's coming back off a high ankle sprain. Those things can linger. Those things, you know, you don't know how long they can, they can last necessarily. And, and he hasn't played in three weeks. And, and so you think, you know, do you play more the hot hand because Hasenauer has been playing so well, or, you know, do you say there's a reason that the other guy was a starter and you can make a case for either. And so I think, uh, I, I think if Pierce Baker is ready to go, then I think we play him, but I think we monitor him very, very closely. And we look for, uh, you know, the right opportunity to maybe rotate, uh, you know, if he's, if he is a little gimp or I, I don't know. Right. But I, I think that uh, I, I think we watch that uh, and we have that much more confidence that, Hey, if we need to get to our sixth lineman, uh, isn't it great that he's performed so well each of the last two weeks? No, absolutely. Hey, I want to quickly point out before we flip the field, there was a couple third and fours when uh, Jalen was in the game where he did move the chains. He did exactly what we talk about. Yep. That's when I like him to run. So I wanted to point it out, you know, for the listeners because 
I don't want him running on second and 10 and, and second and eight and third and, and eight. I want him running on third and four when it's the play's broken down and he knows with his athleticism he can get an easy first down, um, you know, the way that Deshaun Watson, you know, did to our butt when he was there. And um, that's when I think he's really deadly, and that's the only time I want him to run, and, and he did that a couple times, and, and you know, that's, that's what I want to see more of. Yeah, I, no, I, I agree with you. Um, hey, I want to double down on Hour just a little bit, and, and I'm, I'm sort of torn on, on to me, I, this, I mean this very much as a positive, but you've talked about, you know, you just mentioned that, you know, we've struggled sometimes when we brought in our sixth lineman, and there's been a little bit of drop-off. And so as a testament to staying in the program, can, can, continuing to work, continuing to get better, you know, being that senior, um, you know, having that leadership um, is a real testament to Hassenauer because, frankly, he has been the sixth guy in where we've had the drop-off. And, and so to be the same person to come in and be the sixth player in and end up being SEC lineman of the, of the, of the week – that's a testament to his character, his perseverance, his improvement as a player. Um, I, I just wanted to say that out loud because I think I think you know when you said that it just made me think. Well, he's been that guy, and now he's get to now he gets to do the sort of the other side of it, and uh, and that has to make him feel good. He's not rooting for a teammate to get hurt, but that has to that has to you know sort of vindicate um, and and justify him in in some regards as well. So I you know hats off, and maybe we both do joint mini game balls because we've sort of doubled down on the same, you know, two guys. Um, well, absolutely. I mean, he was the backup when Ryan Kelly was the starter. Right. And when Ryan Kelly left, Bozeman was the backup at right guard behind Alphonse, you know, Alphonse Taylor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, you know, Hassenauer is thinking, okay, I've Here's heard all this. I've heard all this. Ryan Kelly's going in the first round. And when he's gone, I'm going to be the guy. And he could have easily transferred to, several other schools and um and and played and and our program right now right would be suffering had he done that and so uh kudos to him that when when bradley was moved over for ryan kelly um that he hung around that's yeah, a big absolutely. deal hey on offense um uh Derek keith got him a touchdown very very nice and uh cam uh sims had him a, a spectacular uh catch in the end zone and so uh you know good to see Good to see those guys, uh, you know, get good, um, good play, and um, and then some in, uh, some touchdowns uh, for their efforts. So hats off to them. No hats off to them, but once again, very quickly. Okay, yes, you could have tried to throw the and th- see. This is the small little details. Okay, Calvin Ridley, who's a really good player, right? And we know that he's six foot one. Cam Sims is six foot five. And so once again, just like you said with Robert Foster, Cam Sims is going to have an extra giddy up in his step because he caught a touchdown. Yep. And what did you do? You threw it to the 6'5", 215-pound guy instead of the 6'1", 190-pound guy. And, and you know what I'm saying? That's just, it's using your, your weapons in a smart way. It's just, right. it, it, it just feeds into everything else we talked about. So. You no, know, and I and I like even. <clears throat> no, you're exactly right. You know, we're gonna go, uh, you know, throw a jump ball to the tall guy. Gosh, that makes sense. Um, but I also like, you know, the two touchdowns to, um, you know, both on the the left side of the field, right? 
to uh, uh, you know to Cam and, and to Derek, but I like that they were different, right? We threw ahead, and it was based on, and this is Tua, man. This dude's good. Based on the placement of the defender, he threw he threw the ball up for Cam, and he back shouldered to uh, to Derek, and um, I thought that was very nice. Uh, obviously, those two guys making the plays, but the quarterback making the decision and the ball placement. I thought that was impressive as well. No, it was. And it just shows his knowledge, you know, of the game from a from a passing standpoint. Right. Well, flip the field for me, man. Let's uh uh do you mind if I go first on defense? Go for it. Okay, because I, I just have to get this out of the way because I'm I'm very excited. And so um uh would do you do you have any idea where I'm going with this? Oh, I know where you're going, but lead us. Okay. So um that's fair. So I will say that while it was a name your score game, uh, the thing I enjoyed the most was we had the Ben Davis sighting that that I that I called out. So I'm just gonna you know break my arm, pat myself on the back. And so um, you know when he came in the game, um, he obviously got sucked in on the uh, option and uh, you know lost containment and um, wasn't able to make the play you know where he should have made his first play in the game. But for the listeners, looking at him, he is a specimen of an individual. It reminds me of Reuben Foster, who didn't get a lot of opportunities early on because it is a complex defense. Ben Davis, I was excited to see him on the field, and the boy is a specimen to look at. And I think once he gets gets what, what he needs to get as far as where he needs to be, uh, just – no different than other players who have come before him. This guy's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I think he really, he really will be, and 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 I'm glad that he got a chance to to play. I know we spent some time on him last week, and and had some sort of different different perspectives on on him. And uh, yeah, I'm very glad that he got in there. I agree. I think this guy has. I think he still has all the potential in the world ahead of him. Uh, I think even some of the other players were asked about him. Uh, I think that across the defense, they were excited that that he got to play, and uh, and and the the interviews that I saw were all along the lines of, "Dude's going to be good." Yes, uh, you know, everyone sort of the light clicks on for these players at different times. Um, it's a complex defense, all of those types of things, right? And um, I think that uh, I think he's going to be good. And if we think about some of the linebackers that we've had, even in recent times, even on the team now, uh, you know, uh, you know, Evans was not a day one starter. No, uh, Ryan. You know, think of last year uh, with uh, with Reuben Foster and uh, and Ryan Anderson. They you know they weren't day one starters. So I, I think it's okay. That he's gonna he's gonna progress along. Reggie Ragland is a name that we've talked was about. Not a day one starter. It was not a day one starter. I don't think he played very much outside of special teams until he was a junior. Correct. So, correct. I, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for this guy still to have a significant career, and certainly we're rooting for that. And uh, and and saw a little bit, just a glimmer, but saw a little bit of of his potential uh, on Saturday, and so that's fun to see. I, I, I'm excited about that. I guess what um, I meant by that is he meets the eye test. Yeah. We, we got to see him on the field in a game and he meets the eye test. Yeah. I guess I'll say it that way. 
No, I think that's awesome. Um, so I'm going to stick with linebacker and maybe go the other end of a spectrum. And uh, I want to talk about Dylan Moses because I <clears throat> he's a guy that kind of all eyes were on Dylan Moses uh, on Saturday. And he did not disappoint. Um, you know, 11, uh, 11 tackles. He, he looked good in his role. And it's really easy to dismiss and say, well, it was just Mercer. Yeah, but he could have made the wrong reads against Mercer. He could have been out of place, uh, you know, out of place. And so sometimes all you can do is what you're allowed to do or what you get the opportunity to do. And what he was given the opportunity to do is demonstrate, are you ready, um, you know, to, to take on the role as a starter against this opponent? And against that opponent, he, he was. Uh, I, think, I, think he was uh, I think he was a top-shelf performance on uh, Saturday. Uh, one Dylan Moses. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it was interesting that he got the start over Keith, which we'll talk about here in a minute. I think that as the game evolved, they cont- Mercer continued stretching the field. You know, at halftime, the Mercer coach said, you know, to the to the commentator, you know, the on-field commentator that, that, you know, they wanted to stretch the field and they wanted to go more sideline to sideline and they wanted to make, you know, Alabama players, you know, play all, you know, play the whole width of the field. Well, that just kind of played into Moses's hand uh, because that is his thing, right? Speed. And so in the second half, he recognized the plays that they had run in the first half quicker and he was able to get there one step quicker and he was able to beat the 300-pound offensive lineman who was trying to block him and he was able to make the plays. And I'm sitting there thinking – you know, you're you're just kind of playing into this kid's hands. You know, you need to run the ball right at him because, unfortunately, a play that he wasn't, you know, as successful was, you know, there was only one play I noticed where they ran right at him and, you know, the left the left tackle of all people to, to peel off and, and get you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to be the best player on the team. You know, the left tackle just planted him and just kind of just steamrolled him and they got one of their big carries of the day. And, you know, that's just a learning experience, right? Because, you know, learning how to play off of those offensive linemen between tackles is a lot different than playing on the edges. And so I I felt like Moses had better success outrunning the offensive linemen wide than he did up the middle. Um, Same way Keith struggled against Mississippi State up the middle, to to be fair. Um, And so, but I think it was good for his confidence. Um, I found it interesting that when they decided to start him, that they let him call the plays instead of Rashawn Evans, Mm -hmm. because I would have expected them to let the senior call the plays and just let him play. And so were you surprised that they put both of those things on him and, and didn't have Rashawn call the plays? No, I'm really not because I, I think, I I think we were going to let him sort of, sink or swim in the deep end of the pool. And if he struggled, then we would have backed off. We would have said, you know, we would have, you know, you know, had Rashawn call the place. And so I think we went in throwing him into the deep end of the pool because what we needed to simulate is him doing that. Because uh, what if something happens to, to Rashawn? And so we're going to – you're the guy, Right. Uh, we have to have a second guy that can, <laughs> that can call the plays, and we didn't. Uh, so I think we had to, almost like Tua, right? We've got to let him 
because we don't have anybody else. And so I think we had to, I think we could have backed off from that. Uh, and frankly, you know, next week and maybe in some of our uh, subsequent games, we might back off of that, or we might, you call this series, we're going to call this series. And we might sort of mix it up a little bit. Uh, but I, I think sort of throwing him in, into the deep end, realizing that with all due respect, it was Mercer. I think that's, I think that's, I think that's a great use of the opportunity. Well, let me ask you this. Were you – okay, Keith obviously struggled against the matchup with Mississippi State. We spoke last week about this was a tough matchup against a line whose, whose smallest offensive lineman was 306 pounds. They, they ran the ball 50 times right at Keith, the way we just talked about the one play running against Moses. Mercer did not run at Moses the way that Mississippi State ran at Keith, to be fair. Okay? Mm-hmm. They ran right at Keith – and had Mississippi State had Moses been in the game last week, I think he would have also had some um, some growing pains on having these guys run right at him as many times as they did. So I was surprised in the Mississippi State game that we did not try to bring anybody in to spell Keith at all, because Keith and Rashawn played the whole game, and they were obviously wore out because of the time of possession. Right. And they were put in a very difficult situation. And then this week, a whole different opponent. We don't see Keith until late in the third quarter. I, I have to say, I don't think that was fair for Keith because Keith, like Hassenauer, has contributed to this program. And so I found it frustrating for Keith that, hey, you're, you're the, you know, we're going, you're going to be the, the dummy bag against Mississippi State and you're going to get beat up on the whole game. And then in this game against a team that's going to run wide and not really run at you, we're not going to let you get any run until, you know, we bring you in late in the third quarter. That surprised me. I hear what you're saying. I, I'm not surprised. Um, I think that, uh, I think Dylan Moses made a couple of wrong reads against Mississippi state. And so I think that's why he was yanked early. Um, I think from an athleticism standpoint, Dylan Moses checks all the boxes. Keith Holcomb does not. And that doesn't mean he's not a good player. He would have put up very good numbers against Mercer because he know because because he could have performed, you know, against that team. But I think what we needed, I think we know who Keith is. Um, he's a very capable player. I think that he knows the playbook. I think he could call uh, you know, call the defense. But he can be outmanned. He can be outphysicaled, and he can be uh, he can be physically beat in a way that maybe Dylan Moses is less prone to. Dylan Moses doesn't just doesn't have the time in the saddle calling the defense and all of that. And so I think what we wanted to do is we said, look, we know what we've got in Keith. We don't yet know what we could have in Dylan. And what we need is what what we need to win the next games, not to beat Mercer, to win the next games. What we need is what we hope Dylan can be, which is something greater than Keith Holcomb. I'm with you, but here's the counter argument to that. We just talked about Robert Foster and Cam Sims and putting them in a situation where they can have success. 
Keith Holcomb was asked to play against the Colorado States of the world due to injury, and he led the team in tackles. Yep. So then when he was asked to play in a nickel role, he had an extra pep in his step because he had confidence, right? I'm not disagreeing with playing Moses at all. I would have liked them to start Keith next to Rashawn, okay, and let him come in early, a couple series, have success, okay, build his confidence back up because his confidence was beaten up with 49 rushes against Mississippi State. I would have started Keith, let Keith get a little confidence back, then bring Dylan in, and then maybe bring Keith back in later, kind of like you do with Damian Harris and Bo Scarborough. I just would have done some yin and yang because what happens if Rashawn Evans breaks a leg in the first quarter of the Auburn game? Guess what? Hey, Keith, we need you now with Dylan Moses. We know we didn't show you a lot of love against Mercer, but now there's five minutes left in the first quarter at Auburn, and now we need you. And so I would have played that differently to build his confidence back up. I I hear what you're saying. I don't I don't know that we needed to, you know, treat him like a supermodel, uh, you know, and, and sort of massage his ego. I th- I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be ready. I think he knows that Dylan's more athletic than than he is, and that's what we need out there. I think you know, I think he knows that. I think that he can still have a role, and you know, maybe it's on the third down. Uh, you know, type situation. I think that that he knows he has a role that he is best suited to, and he was being maybe stretched into something different than that. And I think that he knows that Dylan doesn't know the playbook as well, but he has the physicality to play that other role a little bit better. I think we're going to be fine there. I'm, I'm, I'm be fine. I think we're going to be fine relative to the psyche of the players. Now we can talk about do we still have everything we need at that position and the impact of potentially getting other guys back. I think that's a separate topic, but from the psyche of the players, I think we're going to be all right. I I just would have liked him to get a little run in this game so that he could have, you know, you know, let him finish with four or five solo tackles. I'm not saying he needed that for his psyche. I'm just saying that, okay. I was saying in the Mississippi state game, why did we not bring someone in the second half to, to, to get a little run? So I'm not trying to be hypocritical here. I'm just saying in this matchup, I would have just, you know, had him play a little bit more. No, I, so, I yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I hear what you're saying. And so then when he did come in the game, interestingly enough, you know, then Moses was no longer in the game. And interestingly enough, when he, when he did, when he, when he did enter the game, um, I found it interesting who he entered the game with. And so when he, when he came into the game, you know, Josh and McMillan came in, you know, with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Chris Allen and, and Mika Brown got a little bit of opportunities outside. And then later in the game, Mika Brown got brought in, you know, inside, which was interesting. And so, you know, take take Chris Allen as an example. I would have expected to see him a little bit more than we did. For the same reason you're talking about Moses, I don't think we saw Chris Allen as much as I would like to have seen him. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we could have seen him more. <clears throat> we could have seen him more in this game. I think I think that's fair. You know, I I I don't I don't know that I have a strong opinion on that, you know, one way or the other, especially with the prospect of maybe getting some of these guys back. I think that would sort of push him down. But it, yeah, against against Mercer, yeah, we absolutely could have given him uh, you know, some more run. So how did you how did you think Tony Brown looked? Obviously, he had to start for Minka. 
Minka didn't need to play, which in in probably his last game at Bryant Denny, ironically. Um, how, how did you? Um, uh, that was the right play to make. Okay, obviously not playing Minka. Um, how did you? Uh, how did you think Tony Brown did? No, I thought he and you know Hootie because they both uh, you know got more reps and and uh, more opportunity, uh, sort of pulling in. The, their respective positions. I thought they both. Uh, I thought they both played well. You know, Hootie obviously made him a big play. Um, you know, both of those guys are. Both of them have the opportunity to really turn in big performances, but they're they're both also going to have some clunkers. Um, you know, during the course of a game, right? One possession they may have a clunker. The next possession they may make a big play, and um, and and so. I think that always sort of keeps saving on edge. Uh, and I think those are two of those guys that they're not sort of smooth performance throughout the game. They're a little bit, you know, off and on. But uh, I thought they looked pretty good against uh, Mercer on Saturday. All right, so talk about talk about these other linebackers. Obviously, you know, there's been reports out there. Obviously, you know, Terrell Lewis was just an elbow and – you know, Christian Miller was was a bicep, which is obviously different than a than a knee or whatever. You know, they they were obviously out there. You know, they were out there on the sideline in this game, which you know you you don't you haven't seen all the time. Um, what what do you think about the what 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 is your gut about the prospects of of who we see and who we don't see? No, I think that's I, I think that's awesome, and I'm doing a poor job of sort of layering in. Uh, some mailbag questions that we got this week. And so um, our, uh, our Swedish correspondent, Doug, he asked this exact question, you know, what do, what do we think the impact of, of the, um, you know, the potential linebackers that could come back and, and, you know, like you said, Christian Miller, Terrell Lewis, and, and potentially, you know, Mac Wilson could all uh, come back and see some, some level of activity against Auburn. And then, you know, sort of increasing from there. I, I think, <clears throat> I'll kind of paint with a broad brush. I think if Mac Wilson comes back, I think the opportunity is for him to have a greater impact because he hasn't been out as long and he tends to play more in the middle. But he hadn't even practiced yet, you know? So right. do you think that do you I, think I'm just look, I'm just I'm just throwing a blanket over all three of them, right? Okay. So if if you were to if you were to like here, what is my sort of thought on all three of those guys? That would be my thought on Mac. Um, Terrell Lewis and Christian Miller are both outside guys, and I think, um, you know, I think they both could have a significant impact. I might lean a little bit more to Terrell, only because he played last year, um, and so he has seen more action on the field than than Christian Miller. But if we can get if we can get any of these three, I will take it. And if they only contribute, you know, eight to 10 to 12, you know, to 16 snaps, I'll take every one that they can, that they can contribute. Cause I think that, I, I think, I think there's something sort of psychologically uh, that could impact the team for them coming back. I think that that could give the rest of the defense a bounce. Um, and then every snap that they can take, I think, is a snap that someone who's frankly not as good as them uh, doesn't have to take. And that that player can play their snaps at 100 percent 
uh, they can play more snaps at 100% for the snaps that these guys come in and play at their 100%. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, Saban was, you know, Saban was quoted a couple days ago in typical fashion saying, you know, quote, I'm not saying those guys are out for the game and yep. I'm not able to say whether they will be able to play in the game. Right. I'm going to tell you that I bet you we see Terrell Lewis, Christian Miller, and Mac Wilson all dressed out. Yes. And I bet you none of them play. Oh, really? Yes. I, I mean, Ter- Terrell Lewis – because he hasn't used a red shirt, whereas Christian Miller has, yep. leads me to believe that you know we would see Christian Miller because he is another two years into the program. Yep, and so he's a red shirt junior. Terrell Lewis is a true sophomore. I, I don't see we. See, I just I doubt we see Terrell. And the fact that the fact that Mac hasn't practiced yet, he's he, he's not as far along as them. I mean, he just had foot surgery a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so. I'm going to lean on your prediction that they dress out for the psyche of the team, but that they don't play and that they try to do like with Hassenauer and they try to win this game without them if they can. No, I think that's fair. I think that, um, you know, I, I, I tend to agree. I think Christian Miller is, is, is probably the one that's a little closer along and, um, and he might be and and Terrell Lewis pretty close. I would say pretty close to the, to the same comment that um, more so than Mac is that they could, we could bring them in, in the sort of get after the quarterback role. And, and, and whereas we might would otherwise move Rashawn Evans down to that, we can give Rashawn a breather and then just say, look, you don't have to do anything, but get after the quarterback, get after Sidham. And, and if we give them, you know, you know, and, and those are very situational you can't say we're going to put you in there for eight snaps because you don't know how many of those situations on third and long, you know, pure passing downs you're going to get. But if we say, look, we're going to get you four to six of those, I think that's not bad. No, but Terrell Lewis was an elbow. Mac Wilson was a foot. Christian mm-hmm. Miller was a torn bicep. Mm-hmm. And, and Christian Miller is the one who's already used his red shirt. <clears throat> So if I'm if I'm you know if I'm going to the casino here I'm putting my chips on Christian Miller yeah yeah because yeah. it's been two and a half months and it was a torn bicep and of the three injuries right you would think like you said if you see any of them you see him in those four to five opportunities so that you can at least give Rashawn a breather or at least or at least you throw Christian Miller out there for opportunity number one on third and fifteen to go after the non-mobile quarterback, you let Rashawn have a breather and you see how that play went. And if Christian Miller comes out and says thumbs up, even if he doesn't get to the quarterback, right? Even if he opens up a lane for someone else to to blitz from the star position, Tony Brown or whatever, you know, even if he creates uh, an opening somewhere else, maybe you see Christian Miller come out and say, coach, that went fine. And so then they say, okay, well, now we can give Rashawn Evans another breather on play two. Yep. And, and they work it that way. Yeah, it may be sort of a play-by-play thing. We may, may we may monitor it, you know, very very closely. But uh, yeah, I think he can come in almost in sort of a designated, you know, Tim Williams type, you know, circumstance. No, absolutely. So any anything outside on, on defense before we go to mini game balls? No, uh, let's go to mini game ball. I'm gonna let you go first here, man, because I'm, I'm kind of torn between a couple. I, I think I know where you're gonna go, so I'm, I'm gonna let you go ahead and start. Well, I. I, I'm curious where I'm going to go if if you think that that you know. Uh, I'm I'm giving 
a um, I'm giving a mini game ball to uh, Tr- uh, Trevon Diggs. He had a couple pass breakups, and so I like the fact that that he got into the game. Um, you know, he was a starter at the beginning of the season, uh, rotated out, and uh, and so he has not received nearly as many snaps uh, at the corner position. You know, call it the last you know two thirds of the season, and so the fact that he got in uh, got in there. Uh, and tapped a couple balls in the air. Uh, I think that's pretty impressive. Uh, hopefully he's getting better because I think he'll have uh, sort of first-of-the-line opportunity to start next year. So hopefully um, you know, hopefully he's continuing to get better and better in practice. And that, what we saw on Saturday, uh, was representative of, of what he's gearing up to bring next season. So mini game ball to Trayvon. All right, so I- I'm going to stick with my first inclination, and I'm going to give it to Ben Davis just for the reasons I said earlier, uh, just because I've been really excited to, you know, to see this guy get on the field uh, a la the same way as Mac Wilson. And um, uh, just because of, you know, the pedigree that he brings to the program, I don't know what he's kind of had to endure off the field to, to you know, to take off the scout jersey last week and, and get on the field. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I was just happy to see him out there and I, I'm going to go that direction with my mini game ball. No, I think that's awesome. I think that, um, you know, this, you know, he's a player that you could kind of tie yourself in knots with because, um, and and so the fact that he kind of got the monkey off his back has to feel, you know, good to him. Um, and I can't, and, and, and as, as happy as I feel about that, I still can't sort of pull myself away from, and we had 63 on Ole Miss. So he couldn't. He couldn't get a snap. You know, we were up 59 to nothing against Vanderbilt, and he couldn't get a snap. I just. It does I, make you. No, it does make you wonder. And I'm going to tell you for what you just got through saying about Rashawn Evans, mm-hmm. because he does meet the eye test, right? And because mm-hmm. he's played a lot of football. You mean to tell me on third and 15 against Auburn, if his one job is to go get the quarterback? I'm sorry. Do you think other teams in the in the country? Do you think other top ten teams, with what we saw looking at him, right? We're not asking him to read a play, okay? On third and fifteen against Auburn, if he's healthy and he's good to go, and and Christian Miller and 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 Terrell Lewis aren't ready to go, you can't put him out there and just say go go sick the quarterback. I bet you Florida would do it. I bet you LSU would do it. I hope we do it on a situational type of basis. Yeah. Why not? I think you could count on us not doing it. And, but I don't have, I don't have, I don't have a, a concrete why not other than we would have seen it by now. No, that's fair because we didn't see him against Ole Miss and Vandy, which we don't understand why. So, right. so given all the injuries we've had uh, with the, with the pub he comes in, no offense to Mika Brown, uh, no offense, uh, no offense to Joshua McMillan, but, you know, it's still a scratch your head. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. So, right. so flip the field to special teams. So, obviously, you know, Andy makes it through. You know, Andy's out there for warm-ups, and, and you know, we didn't get the same visual that, you know, he's out there for, for warm-ups like, like others did. And, and obviously, you know, they, they said he was, you know, day-to-day with, you know, a pulled muscle. Next thing you know, you see J.K. Scott, you know, attempting eight extra point attempts. Uh, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? You know, I think that – you know, you really as a, as a kicker, you really sort of unwind yourself. Uh, and if you've got a little bit of a pull, then <clears throat> that can be painful. And then you know, any next kick can 
can really exacerbate that injury. And so I think, you know, Saban said he probably could have gone and, you know, given the circumstance he would have, but he didn't need to. And so this is an opportunity, an opponent, a circumstance he didn't need to. And we just so happened, you know, we've got JK there um, and, you know, he knocked in APATs. So, uh, you know, I would say there's your good day, right? But uh, I, I think it's just he didn't have to play. So we we preserved him, give him another week because we might have to have him Saturday, this this next Saturday. No, we might have to have him. And then also the other, you know, the other key, uh, the other key thing about that is JK wasn't asked to, 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 we knew he wasn't going to have a big load in this game. We knew there wasn't going to be a lot of punts. He only had to have two punts. He made the most of the two that he had. Um, and he didn't have to attempt any field goals, you know, not that he couldn't, but he didn't have to. Right. So it worked out well for Alabama that, you know, he shifted from punting the ball four times to kicking, you know, eight extra points, which was, you know, probably still a lighter load for, for JK for the day. Right. And then Marks, I know we kind of kidded about this earlier, but he had a great day returning punts. Well, he did. And, you know, kind of like you said a few weeks ago, you know, it's very interesting how these things have happened in years past where a guy just becomes the guy. And so, you know, Xavier's probably at the beginning of the year saying, you know, damn, rugs and digs, man, I'm I'm done. And, you know, he kind of hangs around and hangs around. And, you know, to his credit, he's he's getting some run there. So that's awesome. Yep. So I understand we got a game this Saturday, huh? <laughs> man, you know, uh, you know, th- this game kind of tweaked up a little bit, you know, kind of kind of went up a few extra notches after the, uh, you know, after the performance they had against Georgia. Yeah. It did not surprise me that they won that game. You know, um, I kind of thought going into the game, you know, they would win. And, you know, I'm sure people are like, oh, yeah, sure you did. But, you know, you had a freshman quarterback in Georgia who had, had not been asked to carry the load. He had been attempting eight or nine passes a game. They were rushing for 300 yards a ball game. And so, it was real easy to attempt eight or nine passes in a game when your team's running the ball for 300 yards a game. And so, you know, once Auburn had held them to 22 yards of rushing, you know, halfway through the second quarter, no surprise, right? I mean, they had them right where they wanted them. So, I mean, for us, you know, while I don't want Jalen to run the ball 15 to 20 times a game, he can if he feels like he needs to. He has the mobility that the Georgia quarterback does not. Um, he has shown an ability to, you know, when asked to throw 15 to 20 passes a game, he can. Um, he has continued to evolve this season, thankfully, with the help of the offensive coordinator. So I just don't think this is the same opponent for Auburn. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I just think that we've got too many weapons. We've got, you know, we've got too many guys that we allow to be uh, in strength positions, whether it's Cam Sims or Josh Jacobs or Najee Harris, all the stuff we talked about earlier. So I, I think the the multiplicity is going to give Auburn fits because they're not going to be able to put us in a box like they did right. Georgia. And so, you know, I think it's still going to be a good game. Uh, Auburn's got a really good defense. You know, I I see this as like a, you know, 27 Alabama, 13 Auburn type of football game. 
Okay. And so I, I still think we, you know, I still think the margin of victory at the end is over 10 points. Um, but uh, I still think it's a convincing win against a good football team. So let me take something you just said there about <clears throat> about um, Georgia and, and Jake Fromm and try to marry that to something that we said coming out of the Mississippi State game. We, you know, you said, you know, Fromm was averaging eight passes a game and, and when they had to put the game on his shoulders, you know, it just didn't work. And then we said coming out of the Mississippi State game that that's a game that freshman Jalen could not have won, but sophomore Jalen with his development in the passing game did win. So going into this Auburn game, do we feel almost the same way that freshman Jalen, we would be significantly more nervous because we would have to rely on the run. Whereas going into the game this year with sophomore Jalen and the passing that he has demonstrated, that gives us sort of the keys to the weapons that we have. And and are those sort of the dots you're connecting? That's what I'm hearing. I just want to, I just want to say it a little differently. Oh, sure. Whether, whether it's going to be a Robert Foster jet sweep or it's going to be a hail, you know, between the hashes that is uncovered for a 15-yard gain, or whether it's going to be Josh Jacobs, you know, running in motion on a read option play, there's just too many options. What what this offensive coordinator, okay, so with Jalen's development, thanks to the offensive coordinator, but then because of all the people he's got involved in this football game, this is going to be the first game this year, I think, where, well, I won't say that. Mississippi State was a game where you saw that come to fruition because we, because uh, Alabama, you know, scored a, a very, uh, uh, Mississippi, State's ex, Mississippi State's game plan was to limit our opportunities with the ball. Yeah. And we still put up a hell of a lot of points and we didn't have the ball but 20 minutes time of possession. Yep. Right? We couldn't have done that before. And so that's not only Jalen but it is Jalen's development, but it's also the 15 weapons around him. And so Auburn's catching this team at a bad time, the way we caught, the way Mississippi State called us at a good time because we do go five deep at running back. We do have all these uh, wide receivers who we can get the ball. I mean, you're you're sitting here, you know, when, when they sit there and play us, they're going to be sitting there with saying, gosh, do we cover Robert Foster on the jet suite? Do we cover Cam Sims on the fade? Do we cover Devonta Smith, who's now caught another touchdown and a big moment for them? Do we cover Josh Jacobs, who just came out here, trips to the right? I mean, their eyes are going to be freaking rolling around their head. Right. And so that is that is just a matchup nightmare, and I think that's what's really going to be the big difference in this football game. Jalen being a sophomore is going to help, and him being able to, to handle the weapons around him and, and be cool as a cucumber is all important. Yes. But all these other weapons around him. Oh my gosh. The defensive coordinator, you know, has, has got to be just beside himself right now. But it's it's and but it's Jalen's development that allows us to sort of access that, right? It's the cheat code in the video game that lets you get to those weapons, right? His, sure. his development is the connective tissue there. Sure. No, absolutely. And last year, <clears throat> just like we didn't use OJ Howard the way we needed to, okay, um, they would not have allowed him to have the keys to the castle the same way last year that they do this year. But right this second, you know, Kevin Steele is thinking, man, 
Uh, I wish I was still coaching inside linebackers for Alabama this week instead of the defensive coordinator for Auburn. Yeah, and I don't think he has the nerve to walk down the hall to the offensive coordinator and say, can you guys go slow? No, no, not at all, not at all. But this, this is gonna, this is going to be, you know, and, and and it's interesting you say that because Auburn has to look at what Mississippi State did and said, well, gosh, we would slow the day, the game down, but it didn't do any good, right? And so they're gonna, I would assume they're gonna come into this game trying to outscore Alabama, and my hunch is is they're gonna try to say we need to win this game the way we won this game back in, I think it was 2013. Um, I'm checking here cause I'm curious. Uh, yeah, see they're, they're, they're thinking that, you know, we've got to, we've got to get this game into the thirties to have a chance. Right. I, I think this has to be, we have to outscore Alabama to win this ball game. What do you think, um, you know, sort of flipping the field on this game a little bit, what do you think about Auburn's offense and, and how they, you know, might match up against our defense, especially, you know, we've we've talked about some depletion at the linebacker. I mean, their carry on Johnson's a real physical uh runner, you know. I I you know, we've seen him run the wildcat or whatever they call it. Um, you know, likely that, you know, that he could make a, a, a an attempt at a pass this week. Uh, Jarrett Sidham's a good quarterback, and he's really progressed over the course of the season. He's more of your traditional pocket passer, uh, but he's got some good touch on the ball. And, uh, you know, they they seem to be in their passing game more of a big play. Uh, uh, Darius uh, Slayton, you know, makes some some big plays down down the field and, and, and has in, you know, each of the last couple of weeks. Um, how do you see our defense, the Alabama defense, stacking up against – the Auburn, the Auburn offense. You know, I think early on we're going to kind of see how Mika's going. You know, I think Mika, I think Mika re-injured his hamstring on that third and eight play. You know, to put the game away against Mississippi State, unfortunately, and uh, he looked pretty ginger. You know, in the videos I saw uh, of practice earlier this week, and so you know, early on we're going to kind of see what he can do, and we're going to see whether we can position him close to the line of scrimmage um, and be effective. I also think that I, I see us dropping the safeties down in the box if we feel like, you know, our our base nickel is not working. Um, so, you know, our inclination is going to be to keep two safeties deep and to play a two deep and to limit their, their pass opportunities. But then again, you know, we also come into this, in my opinion, with better cornerback play. And yep. so I think we're very comfortable with Anthony Averett and Levi Wallace on an island, you know, you know, two yards in front of you saying, beat me. And I think that, you know, I mean, I guess not trying to bounce around on your question. I think we're going to say to to Jarrett, you know, Stidham that um, you've got to make a perfect throw over the back shoulder on the sideline to beat him. And I think they're going to say, we don't think you can do that, and we think we can get to you before you do that. And so you've got to show us you can consistently beat Averett and Levi Wallace, or we're going to stay too deep, and um, and we're going to play you that way. And so, I, if as long as we can, as long as we can be successful with with six in the box, I think you know that's what you'll see. 
And so, and, and also I think, you know, to be fair too, I, I think not having Cam, you know, Cameron Pedway is, is a big deal yep. because they didn't need that in the Georgia game. But I think carry on Johnson is, is going to need a breather in this game and they don't have the depth. I mean, we're sitting here talking about going five deep at running back. They're in a whole different situation. And so while carry Johnson, you know, is going to want to carry the load like he did against Georgia, um, he hasn't been asked to carry the load like that on a consistent basis. And he, you know, he checks in at six foot, 195 pounds. And so I just don't think two out of three weeks, he's going to come in and be able to be the workhorse that they need him to be. So you, you hit on two things there that I think are spot on. And the easier one to sort of digest is, is the last one that you said there. They, you know, their top, their, their number one running back, He's still there. Their number two running back isn't. And, you know, people who read headlines, they don't concern themselves about that. But it's the snaps that the number two gets that allows the number one a breather that really elevates the play of the number one. And and so if if Carrion doesn't get those snaps, I think against Georgia he had his, his uh, high carry uh, count for the, for the season, and it was, you know, mid-20s. So that's a good number. Uh, but to your point, he might need, um, you know, 30 carries against Alabama. And and that may be a tougher thing for him to do. I think the, you know, Georgia's got a good defense. I'm, I'm not suggesting that they don't. But I think so. I, I think that there may be very physical yards uh, against Alabama and physical carries. And so not only might it be more carries, but they might be more physical carries. And that can have uh, an impact. The other thing that you that you said, and, and you know, I think this is a key matchup to watch during the game. And so I, you know, I, I I know you and I are going to watch this. I think our fans should watch this. I like our corner play, just like just like you said. And if we can if we can line up and match them one on one on the outside and allow our our defense to maintain a too high safety, the concept there is, uh, and again, we talked about this, Auburn is a big play passing attack. If we can match them one-on-one one on, one on the outside, because I think our corners are better, uh, especially as a tandem, than than the teams that they've played this year, and we can, and, and that allows us to maintain a two-high safety, then we can keep all the action in front of us. And so they may still complete passes, but they're going to be, there'll be more of a march the ball down the field as opposed to making big plays for touchdowns. And if they have to march the ball down the field, that's more plays, that's more carries. And that's the whole, that's sort of the root of the saving approaches. We're going to suck the life out of you and make you drive the ball, make you execute more plays, make you do what you do for more time, for more plays. And the more you have to do it with the pressure that we're going to put on you, the more apt you are to make mistakes. And so I think if the corners can, can hold and we can maintain safeties, I think that's I think that's a difference maker in the game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the way to, to the way to frustrate this quick tempoed offense is to make them go 80 yards. And um, and that's gonna be the game within the game for sure. Yep. Yep. So so you said twenty seven to thirteen. Um, I am going to predict a little tighter game. Uh, but I'm in your neighborhood. I am going uh, 27-23. I don't like picking it that close, but uh, right. uh, but I still got the good guys winning. So uh, so I'm going okay. 
All right. Well, anything else you have for us? Anything from the listeners? We have just a bevy of content from the listeners. Um, we'll hit a couple of these. Um, we just touched on Doug. He had a question about the returning linebackers. Chad uh, White, now that we're soliciting mailbag, getting uh, a lot more emails, so that's awesome. Uh, Chad has an interesting uh, uh, observation that he's made, Chad White, uh, about uh, what what we think the relationship is between Calvin Ridley and Jalen Hurts. He has observed, uh, uh, you know, situationally, Cal will sort of shake his head or, or just kind of give him the look, <laughs> maybe give Jalen the stink eye when, when the ball isn't, uh, you know, placed exactly right. Uh, he was wondering if we had a um, sort of in, any insight into what we think their relationship is. I thought you might have fun with that one. Um, you know, I think that Calvin is your typical go-to receiver, um, you know, who wants the ball every play that he can get it. And so there's going to be a dynamic uh, with a with a mobile quarterback even more so, um, you know, who's going to be asked to to call the run versus pass option on a couple seconds notice, right? As to whether, you know, whether it's a passer, you know, he keeps it and, you know, takes off. Yeah. And so I, I do think that I, I do think there has been a conscious effort, it appears to me, to keep Calvin happy as much as they can while still involving these other weapons. And so even in this last game, you know, I'm sure Calvin wanted more than three balls, but how unhappy are you going to get that one of your balls went for 66 yards and a touchdown? Right. And, and the week before, while your team only had the ball 20 minutes, you know, you had two, two pass plays over 60 yards. Yeah. So I think as long as Calvin is getting big, um, uh, big play opportunities, he's going to stay happy. Um, but I do think he's going to want the, you know, continue to want the ball as, as much as he can get it. Yeah. I, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of diva in, you know, your star wide receivers. I think Calvin has probably a little more of that than either Julio or uh, Amari Cooper. Um, I think Saban sort of keeps that – he keeps a lid on that, so I think there's only so much personality that uh, that they're necessarily going to show. I think Cal's got a little more of it than, than some of the other guys. I've seen, you know, sort of the look. I've seen – uh, you know what Chad's what Chad's talking about, but I think Jalen is the perfect sort of counterpunch to that, and he's as cool as it gets. Nothing rattles him. He'll he'll look you know back at Cal and say, "Yeah, I got you next time." And um, and, and so I think they're good. I think the kids are going to be all right. But very uh, quickly, but very quickly on a key third down play against Mississippi State, where did he where did he go with the ball? He went to Calvin Ridley. Yeah. At yeah. the end of the day, when the yeah. game was on the line. I'm sorry, on a fourth down play when the game was on the line, where did he go with the ball? So. Yeah, I think both of them realize, you know, which side of the bread's buttered, right? Um, I, 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 you know, I love, you know, Calvin Ridley, man, he's one of the best in the country. So, and and if he's got a little bit of, if he's got a little bit of mustard about him and, and that's part of what makes him great, then, you know, that's what, that's what you, you know, you're, you know, you're getting that when you go for a receiver. No, absolutely. What's your, what's your next uh, email there? Uh, Winston Gray out of Florida. Um, this is sort of a more of a broad-based question, but he's asking about game day traditions that 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 we might have, or any restaurants that uh, that we prefer to go to. And so I would jokingly, and and when I say jokingly, I I mean seriously. Uh, you know, you and I 
Um, it started out like a 10 person tailgate that we did for eight or nine or 12 years and ended up just being, you know, your family and my, my family. So we kind of got out of the tailgate business a couple of years ago. And um, now uh, both of us sort of have the kids of a, of a certain age. And uh, we find that, you know, sometimes we're rolling into Tuscaloosa <laughs> right at kickoff. And, um, uh, and so sometimes that might be our new right? tradition. Yeah, we have to. Yeah, we we have become more multiple in our in our uh, in our pro our multi our we we are we are being more multiple, just like Alabama's offense, right? On our uh, on our game day situations, and yeah. uh, we fit it in where we can. I'm gonna give a tip of the cap to uh, Chuck's Fish, though. They've got I always get the name of it wrong, but they've got some sort of Bam Bam shrimp uh, uh, appetizer that is just phenomenal, and um, you know, and uh, there's a there's a steakhouse. Uh, I forget the name of a chop house, something or another that uh, that we frequented a couple of weeks ago. That's really good too. So we will uh, we will endeavor to uh, include those in our transition in our uh, traditions moving forward. No, absolutely. I've got um, a couple of emails. Um, I'm sorry, a couple of uh, comments, and so we'll sort of indulge egos here. But uh, we got a uh, a five star. Uh, man, I didn't write this one either. Uh, but uh, can't wait till Tom eats crow by Cal one two three W gave us a five star. Great podcast, very knowledgeable guys. One one guy never gives Jalen Hurts credit, so can't wait till uh, uh, Jalen brings home a championship. So I think we know who he's talking about. Um, Tom, you know, I, 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 I Jalen some credit, man. I appreciate the, the the feedback and and obviously as you know I have I have given him credit when I felt like credit was due, um, you know I obviously felt like you know he scored a key touchdown in that in that game last year against Clemson, uh, just due to his athleticism, um, and you know quite frankly it was on the defense to put the game away and they didn't, and right. so obviously we we've talked all season about how I think he has. He has progressed. I don't think he would have progressed this way with Lane Kiffin. Okay, I think Lane Kiffin is a great play caller, but I don't think right now Jalen would be a different player uh, had they had Lane Kiffin not moved on to, you know, a head coaching opportunity. And right. so I think right now Jalen's best friend, uh, besides Calvin, is uh, is the offensive coordinator. And uh, kudos to Coach Saban to being able to go get the pedigree that he got from the yep. Bill Belichick tree who had been there for the past five or six years and learned under who he learned under and all that comes into play and all that crap that coach Saban did in the off season and um, kudos to him. But, um, but yes, uh, obviously we, we have, we have talked about this year uh, about things that Jalen continues to do better. Uh, but I'm also going to point out things that, you know, need to be improved because that's what we do on the show. We, we call out whoever they are. We're going to call them out good or bad. No, I, I agree, right? And I think I think we've been fair. And, and if and, and you know, folks remember the conversations we had last season, uh, you know, versus what we're talking about this year, you know, you could definitely see some similarity and some consistency, but you could see some progression in our evaluation as well. Um, you know, we've talked about we mentioned it here, and it was in the last podcast. You know, we lose against Mississippi State without Jalen's progression. Uh, that's that's a significant sort of comment by itself. We had someone else. He, he gave us. A- hold on, I'm sorry. Hold on, I got to interrupt you real quick. Yeah. To, to put a to put a bow on what you just said, it was fourth and four. 
Jalen is able to squeeze through the right guard and right tackle gaps with his athleticism and his explosiveness and get a first down. Other quarterbacks get sacked. Mississippi State gets the ball back. They run the clock out. Game over. Right. Right. One play. Game over. Right. And, and yeah, and so, we, you know, a lot of credit, you know, given there. We've got another guy. I'm not going to give him credit, um, not because he gave us the three-star, uh, but he, he had some unsavory comments or borderline unsavory comments as to why we might be anti-Jalen. And, um, man, I will just – and we weren't doing a podcast back then, but this is back, like, when we used to talk football. We didn't like Tyler Watts. <laughs> we wanted right. Andrews out over Tyler Watts. So – uh, I, I just kind of put that out there uh, to sort of dispel the yes. accusations that uh, absolutely dude was making. Uh, yep. And then we got one more uh, favorite podcast of the week, five star. This is Colleen uh, NJ. As someone who came to college football uh, a little late, uh, she had a lot of catching up to do when her daughter daughter started grad school at Alabama last year. That's awesome. Uh, I became an instant. Alabama fan. Uh, I get it. We're parents. We, we, we definitely understand that and uh, found this fan pa- uh, fantastic podcast uh, two weeks into the 2016 season. Uh, Tom and Dave analyze and debate every aspect of the game. Not only do I come away with new insight about players and play calling at Alabama, but also come, a- come away with a great knowledge about football in general. I eagerly await the podcast every week and have already started to dread the offseason, waiting for the podcast to come back in August. Great job, guys. So that's awesome. We enjoy that. And I no, uh, love that uh, her right. daughter's in grad school there. Both uh, both you and I uh, matriculated through uh, uh, the grad school there at Alabama as well. No, absolutely. We appreciate the feedback. Uh, thank you for your comments and uh, taking the time to share them with the listeners. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, Tom, uh, you ready for the big game this week? Man, I wish the game was about to start in about an hour because it's going to be a tough uh, few days here uh, waiting for this opportunity uh, at Jordan-Hare. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But I'm excited about it. Uh, I, really like, uh, I really like our chances. I think, I, th- I think it is a popular position uh, to sort of take the other side, which is Auburn, because, uh, you know, they're kind of up and down and they had a good showing against Georgia. And so, so everybody's really excited about them. And, and uh, But I think Alabama is going to do what Alabama does. Um, the, the expectations are so high that and have been for so long that we kind of reside under the radar, which is a weird thing to even think about and say, but, uh, darn, it's true. And, um, I think we're going to, I think we're going to come in. I think it's going to be a tough physical game, but, uh, I think the good guys come out on top and, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that on Saturday. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. Fantastic. Well, Tom, we covered a lot of ground there, but, uh, good show. Uh, appreciate all of the listeners. Jump out to alabamafootballpodcast.com, uh, our website. Go to alabamafootballpodcast at gmail.com and send us an email or head over to iTunes and you can look for us under, guess what, Alabama Football Podcast and uh, leave us a review or rating and uh, we'll try to get uh, the references and the mentions and answer the questions on the show. With that, Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, 
and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tie. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion? Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.